welcome to the Husker Cuzcast Sports Show, the official podcast of HuskerHype.com. This is Justin, along with my cousins Derek and Tyler, and John Sweetland joins us as well. We've got a huge show planned for tonight. We welcome a very special guest, former Husker safety Brian Wilson. Welcome, Brian. Thanks for taking time out to join us tonight. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, can you give everybody an update on what you've been doing since your playing days at Nebraska? Uh, well, since I finished, moved back to California, um, started coaching in 2013. Uh, so I've been coaching high school football out here for the last four or five seasons and uh, being, a, being a full-time dad. Excellent. Uh, so you were at Nebraska from 2005, 2007. Do you yes. have a fondest memory of playing at Nebraska? Uh, let me see. I mean... We didn't have too many great experiences the three years that I was there. It was a little rough, especially at the end. But uh, I would say senior day uh, when we beat K-State and uh, Tyler Rice, who was a walk-on, he made a, made a tackle at the end of the game, and it seemed like everybody in the stadium went crazy. And he was a great he was, you know, great teammate. He was a walk-on guy who paid his dues and got that one play, took advantage of it, and you know, we all went crazy for him. So I think that would probably be like my, uh, my best, best experience. Well, what what about for you, like uh, with your uh, with your playing with your playing? Is there any play that you made that stood out? Um, well, made a made a pretty big play in a Big Twelve championship game against Oklahoma. Uh, they ran a play action, got the fullback out to the flat, and I covered him, knocked the ball down, kept him from, kept him from scoring on that play. But uh, they kind of got after us that day, so. <laughs> you know, I would have preferred it to be the other way around, but that 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 one play, you know, I'll trade that in for a Big Twelve ring. Oh, that, yeah. that was one of the coldest games. I was at that game, and I in Arrowhead Stadium. That game was freezing. Yeah, Arrowhead is unbelievably cold that time of year. I think there was like a blizzard that came through uh, earlier that week, and they were kind of. I don't know if they were talking about postponing the game, but one of the things that they weren't sure was if they would be able to get the snow off the field or out of the stands in time for the game. And I remember that game. Our um, so Oklahoma was on the opposite side. There, they had heated bleachers. Our our heated bleachers broke that game. <laughs> so, so it was my first my first time playing in like real cold. I think they said it was like the fifth coldest game in Big Twelve history. Um, that game, and I remember putting my mouthpiece in my helmet while I'm on the sideline and I run onto the field and I couldn't take my mouthpiece out. It was frozen onto my face, man. So, um, and I remember that game What? Oh, Barry Cryer, uh, he had busted his, th- his, uh, his pinky that game and it was so cold, the blood froze. So when we got in the locker room and he took, uh, took the glove off, the glove was stuck. The blood had like frozen. It was, that game was unbelievably cold. It was, that was probably, that was the coldest I've ever been in my life. I feel you. I was there too in the stands and I, I think I stood on like three inches of snow and then uh, my the, yep. little, the little heat warmer pads, they didn't kick in until I think it was midway through the fourth quarter. So I guess how they filled the, they piled the, the, they got the snow off the field was they put it like in the first three rows in the, in the, in the stands. And it was like, all I remember seeing like around the stadium, you see like a, a white barrier of snow around the stadium. It was crazy. That game was that game was crazy. Then on TV, it looks like the field is green, but it's paint. It was it was frozen dirt we were playing on. That field was not green plus grass. It was painted dirt that was painted green, and it was the worst. <laughs> That's that was crazy. The worst. All right, Brian, you unleashed a series of tweets last week regarding the state of the program. 
for those that may not have seen those tweets, can you give us a recap of your thoughts? And while you're at it, why don't you throw out your uh, Twitter handle? Uh, my Twitter handle is, what is it? Uh, it is Fresh Yellow Grizzly. Don't ask me why. Uh, that was a random 2013 <laughs> name I came up with. But if you just look up Coach Brian Wilson, I'll pop up underneath there. Um, yeah, last week, I mean, I've been watching the games and I'm watching them and I'm like, okay, you know, we're doing some things that work. You know, Illinois, we look pretty good. Um, you know, they kind of, I think that's the first game they kind of really threw the two tight end set, the 12 personnel set out there and really started, uh, decided to make a true ball, um, and kind of take the ball out of Tanner Lee's hands a little bit. Um, and I'm just watching, you know, I watched the first three games. I didn't watch the Troy game. But I watch every game after that. And it's just like, man, like I'm watching. I see the coaches. I see the play calls. Um, I see the defense get better every week. Um, last week, you know, being the exception. But uh, I see those guys getting better on defense and Diaco's system kind of, you know, kicking in and starting to make sense to the guys. Um, and I see some of the things they're doing on offense. But I just see that they're handcuffed on offense. You know, just not a lot of, uh, you know, not a lot of developed talent. I'll say that. I mean, I think there's some talent there. Um but it's just not developed. It's either older, inexperienced guys playing or young, inexperienced guys playing. And it's either way, you know, you have guys that aren't experienced playing and they got to go through these growing pains that you see, um, you know, you see them going through right now. You said that you've noticed some of the improvements on the defensive side of the ball as the season's gone on. And, you know, that's kind of what you predict out of any, you know, new defense, you know, after six or seven games. What are some of the things you saw that maybe you saw improvement on? Uh, well, Gifford, that was kind of, uh, you know, I wasn't, I didn't really expect him to be that beacon on defense that he is right now. He's, uh, I mean, I'll take, you know, I, I'll take, like I said on Twitter, I'll take three of him if I could. And, you know, I'll take uh, him and I'll take two of him and a Levante David on, on any given Sunday and I'll have a pretty <laughs> good chance. Um, but, you know, you just see like the D-line, um, D-line getting better. I just think we don't have enough quality D-linemen to really do what, uh, what we want to do so those guys get tired and i think the wisconsin game shows um we had three and a half you know quarters of great football from the defense and i mean we gave up that one long run before um the end of the half uh before at the end of the first half and then when we got that pick six we got back on the field and we gave up that long pass mm-hmm. um and i think that just comes from not having depth to being able, being able to roll quality guys out there you kind of got to put those tired guys back on the field um, and then, you know, the Wisconsin game, when I was looking at it, I saw a defense that was trying to create negative plays. And while we're trying to create negative plays in the short field for the offense, we kind of got gashed at the end of the game. And, you know, you mix that with not being able to roll guys in and out um, up front. I think it just kind of wore on us. And I think they hit that 80 play mark like right, like midway through that third quarter. They hit that 80 play mark. And as a defense, when you, when the offense gets 80 plays, that's kind of when they start rolling against you. So, I just think it was kind of, you know, a couple of things that happened is more so, you know, a lot of people said that the kids quit. I don't think the kids quit. I think they played their ass off that game, but they just got tired, you know, just and that happens. Yeah, absolutely. Tyler, uh, you got the next so, question. Yeah, so, you know, you look at the state of the program today, and, and it's a very diverse group. Um, there are a lot of people out there uh, that are starting to call for Mike Riley's head, and, you know, it, it's gotten really, really – you know, his seats maybe got some p- people's opinion unjustifiably hot for a third yeah. year. So what, what is your stance on that and how hot and how much of this blame on Mike Riley and his staff is deserved? Uh, well, of course, as a head coach, you wear, 
you know, you wear that crown, so you got to take the, you know, you got to take the, the brunt of it. But I think if people remember last year at this time, we were a top 10 team in the country. You know, yeah. we, you know, undefeated and granted, I mean, I said last year, it wasn't a true undefeated. You know, we, we kind of had a perfect schedule and a, a, kind of the perfect storm. Things came in, you know, fell into place, and we got, you know, we, we were undefeated until we started playing Ohio State, and we you know, played a couple big dogs, and we took a couple lumps. You know, I think the Iowa one, the Iowa loss is the only loss that you can really hang and say, look, we shouldn't have lost that game. But I think every, I think Mike Riley's tenure, every game that he's lost, uh, I think maybe the exception of two or three, we were expected to lose. Um, so, I mean, I can't be mad at the guys coming off a nine-win season. Um, you know, we lost to Tennessee in a bowl game, which, I mean, I think one or two plays go different. We win that game. Um, you know, and then if you look at what he did, what they did last year with that, that, that nine-win team, I mean, they, they did an unbelievable coaching job because there wasn't supposed to be a nine-win team. That was really a six-win team that they got three extra wins out of. And, it, you know, it, it looked great. And I think it paid off on the recruiting trail this year. Um, it was probably one of our highest-rated classes in, like, five years. Um, and I think that the kids that um, we're recruiting now, they love Riley, they love Dante, they love uh, Coach Dubs, they love Coach Perella. Um, you know, the Coach Cav is always a recruiting favorite. He's always been a recruiting favorite out here out west, even when they were at Oregon State. So I think, you know, they're doing a lot of good things and they're headed in the right direction. But I just think this is the perfect storm this year of, like I said, youth with inexperience, veterans with inexperience, and then you don't have a lot of depth in the program. There's been a those last three years, there was a lot of attrition throughout the program, um, with whether it be guys signing and not making the guys not making it all the way through. You know, I think I sent out a tweet last week where it was 83 guys signed, and I want to say like 24, 25 guys have transferred out of the program in the last, you know, four or five classes, and that's huge. You know, you only get 85 scholarship players, so if you lose 20 percent of those guys, I mean, that's you know, that's a lot of that's a lot of bodies to replace. And if you're not replacing them with quality bodies every year, which you can't do because roster management, you know, you, you don't get to lose five guys of transfers and then go out and sign five more. You know, it just doesn't work like that. You kind of got to spread it out. And, you know, so this year, I think the way that Riley um, allocated the scholarships the last couple of years with the undersigned, I think this year they can sign more than 25, uh, which would be big because this is going to be, uh, I think there's a lot of talent in this. this the next, next two classes. There's a lot of high-level talent that's interested in the program. So, so I, as a high school coach in the area, in your experience, how mm -hmm. much does this coach on the hot seat talk affect our recruiting? Well, this is the thing you got to remember. These kids nowadays live on Twitter. Twitter is their everything. These guys would be literally standing next to each other and tweet each other instead of leaning over and saying what they got to say. You know, so when you see it on Twitter and you hear it on Twitter and – it's all over the place, and that's where these kids live. These kids spend their whole day. Every time they're on their phone, Twitter's open. iPad, Twitter's open. So as in the grand scheme of it might not be that loud externally, on Twitter it's loud. And to, so to these kids it's loud, and I think it's really affecting um, – I think it's really going to affect – it has a chance to affect this class if, you know, things don't go – let's say Riley doesn't win seven games this year and they don't – you know, get to a bowl game, maybe even though he'll have another year. I think with as much communication as these kids have, I think they'll be looking to go elsewhere. Derek, you're next. 
so Brian, you bring up social media, and like, and like you said, all the kids are on it all the time. And with all that negativity going around all the time, how, how much does that affect the players themselves? Um, I think as a player, you're able to tune it out a little bit more because you spend so much time in the facility. So as much as those guys, like these high school kids, they're on their phone a lot. I think when you're in a facility, it's hard because you're kind of uh, – you got practice, you got study hall, you got – you know, like when I was there, I started class at 7, and then we had class from 7 to 12, and from 12 to whatever, we were in the facility, whether it be eating, weight room, training table, you know, study hall, whatever you're doing, you're in that facility, so you're kind of busy. So I think as a player, you don't really hear it as much. I think you get it more so when you're out on the weekends hanging out. You get it more, especially after a loss like they had this weekend. They'll probably be hearing a little bit more when they're hanging out. But uh, I think more so to affect the high school guys. Hey, hey Brian. Um, so obviously your last year in Nebraska, your preference didn't turn out the way you wanted with, you know, with the, the you know, Callahan's reign coming to an end. So you guys right. were in that locker room. And obviously the whispers of his job being on the line probably started coming up. Did that? What right. did that make you guys do? I mean, did you guys all feel like you need to, you know, go around him? I mean, how did you guys relate to that? Well, just let's just rewind. Um, so, like that spring, um, the oh, I'll say it's the oh six spring. That's when everything kind of started. You know, guys start talking to agents and stuff like that. Um, you know, they're communicating, reaching out. Just people just around football reach out to you and let you know. And I think there was, I think that might have been the year that Brandon Jackson entered the draft that year. And, um, and it was cause Brandon was going to go, but they were trying to talk him in the stand and there was like a rift that happened. So he left. Um, and then there were some people, you know, in the program, player, talented players who had connect, who were talking to people that were, uh, in positions of no at, uh, in the football world. And we got told, you know, by a couple of people that Callahan was shopping, they were saying that he was shopping his job or looking for NFL jobs um, already, you know, because I guess him and Peterson kind of had a, a rift where something happened over. I guess we were supposed to use Adidas balls and he signed a contract. He signed a deal with somebody else. He used these other balls during <laughs> spring. And, it, you know, I don't know how true it was, but that kind of soured us on it. We're like, we're here. We're putting in the work and you're trying to leave, you know, like you're trying to get a different job. And so we were like, all right, cool. Um as a team, we were super close. We loved, like, we really liked each other as a team. Um, but that spring kind of changed the personality of the team a little bit. And then when we got in the fall camp, that was probably one of the worst fall camps that I've ever been in. It was tough. It was brutal. We, I think we went, uh, I think we went like 10, 11 days straight. Like, you had to get to the point where we had to ask, like, for a day off almost. I mean, it was brutal. Like, they, like he wore us out that, that fall camp, man. It was tough. Um, and I think like, like that was like the changing point for the team right there. Just, uh, you know, there were some other things where we would do, where they would have, uh, like they would do these videos uh, for the hotel rooms on Friday nights before the game. And what it was is it would be guys who would be like mic'd up, but the team wouldn't know. So guys would be going around talking and asking questions and it's a live mic. And so the whole thing's getting recorded. So if a guy's standing next to you and you're talking, you know, you might not be vibing with your coach that day. You might be having a bad day and, you know, you might not like your coach, period. And now it's all, you know, and you're like, man, these people are going back and listening to this stuff. So you're like, man, you know, because there was always a thing in our in our in the locker room with us. We're like, man, how does everything we say down here get upstairs? 
<laughs> now you know. You know, and so we kind of we put the we put the dots together. So guys would be at practice, and we couldn't be ourselves at practice. We couldn't be ourselves in the locker room. It was just a real uncomfortable situation. And um, I mean, I think there's in most programs there there is a power struggle, um, you know, between player coach and coach coach coaches on the staff. Um, so I think when Blake left, when Coach Blake left, because he recruited so many of us. Um, that were in that 05 class and a little bit of that 06 class. Like, I, when he left, that kind of left us like, man, like, we don't have anybody to talk to. We don't have, like, he was our guy. We used to go hang out in his office. Um, you know, he would calm us down if we were frustrated. Um, but just there was so much that happened in that 07 season before the season even started where guys are like, man, forget it. Like, forget it. Like, we kind of, I don't want to say we tapped out all the way, but I think it was a point where, like, if this breaks, like, we won't care. Like, not that we won't care. It's just be like, you know, you, the relationship playing coach was so bad between so many guys. It was, like, weird. So that that was that. And then it did get to a point where after we played, uh, we played Kansas and had a horrible game at Kansas. Mm-hmm. And I want to say we came home and played Oklahoma State. And it was homecoming. And we got embarrassed in that game. And then I, the week after that was Case. State, and I was think that was senior night. We rolled them up real good, and then um, we went on the road to Colorado, and we played Colorado and um, had a good game there. Um, but I think what was it? The turning point for us was Texas. That was a Texas game. Um, Roy Hilo kind of had a good game as a freshman that game. Javario Burks, uh, who I think if he would have stayed healthy, he probably would have been a, a top pick. Had a great game playing O line for us that game. Um, but that game when Joe Gans went in, Joe was the, Joe was a turning point for us. Joe was, you know, everybody respected him. Everybody loved him. Um, I think as a team, I know for sure, most of the guys on defense, we wanted him to be our starting quarterback. Um, you know, we kind of felt like he got the raw end of the deal. Um, you know, and so when he got in against Texas, when Sam got hurt and he went in, that was our spark. We were like, all right, we can rally behind Joe. Like, cause we know Joe would take care of us. Joe would do what he's supposed to do. Um, and Joe was a guy that everybody on the team like genuinely loved and had a had a great relationship with. He was one of those guys that uh, a leader, you know, true leader. So, I one more question for you: Having been through all that, would you have any advice to the current players right now to maybe help keep their heads up with all this hot seat talk going on? Yeah, um, and I, w- I was thinking like last week. I'm like, man, like I've been in that exact situation especially those guys who are seen um because you don't know where it's gonna go because if you lose a game what they're gonna do is you know so what happened with us was um we lost to oklahoma state and i think the next week they were just threw all the freshmen out there so prince played that game uh anthony blue he played that game we just started playing young guys because that game was senior night and I remember Zach Bowman didn't play a lot that game. Um, I mean, I played I played that game, but Zach didn't play a lot. Zach kind of had a couple injuries um, towards the end, and they started playing the young guys. So as a senior, you don't know where that's going to go, but there's only six seniors on this team, or six scholarship seniors on this team right now. One of them is a kicker. So I think this is it's a different situation than it was in our situation uh, back in 07. Um, but you just don't – I think for the kids, you don't know. Like the uh, like the not knowing is the, is the killer part because they don't know who's going to come in. They don't know the coach that they built this relationship with for three, four years is going to leave. Um, 
And then it's just the uncertainty around the program that swirls and swirls and swirls. And then you got people calling you, oh, I'm hearing this, I'm hearing that. And then you got guys thinking about, are they going to transfer? And then you got the coaches on the staff who they don't know if they're going to get fired. So they don't, you don't know if they're coaching for their job or if they're coaching for the next job, you know, because these guys got families to feed also. So they're looking, you don't know if they're auditioning for another job or, you know, it's hard. Like I tell people all the time, it's hard to fix the situation that you have and look for a job at the same time. Like, you either got to quit the job you got and go find a new job so you can dedicate your time to that new job all the way, or you got to just say, you know what, I'm just going to bite the bullet and make this work as is. And um, it's tough. You know, I know the coaches have agents, but the uncertainty of them having to pick up a family again and move is, is tough also. So it, it, it I think it, it works two ways. When you get everybody to buy in top to bottom and just say, you know, we're going to make it work. I think that's the, that, that, that's where it has to come from. And I think those guys that are there as coaches are, I think they're doing that um, because I don't see, you don't see the, the quit in the team that, that, that you kind of saw. I mean, in 07, like there were some games where we just couldn't figure, we couldn't get out of our own way. Um, I just think with these guys, there's just not enough on the field right now to, to turn it, when games get out of hand. John, you got a question. Yeah, so we've talked a little bit, I mean, about recruiting. We've talked about your history, talked about the state of the program. What do you think of Riley? I mean, have you have had many interactions as a former player with, you know, his administration staff or anyone like that? How do you think things are going there? Yeah, I haven't, um, I haven't had a ton of interaction with Riley personally. Um, when I coached at Calabasas, um, Coach Banker was, had a really good relationship with the Clausens. Um, him and his... Di- uh, him and the Clausen's father coached coach together back, uh, you know, in the early uh, back in the day. So, um, so Banker came out. I met him a couple times, and then the way that they do the recruiting now is they recruit positionally nationally. So, Coach Dubs has been out because um, he was recruiting. Um, so Banker recruited Markel. That's how I got to meet him. And then Riley came to one of our playoff games, and then Coach Dubs came out when he was recruiting Keyshawn. Um, but I met Coach Dante back when he was a GA at Washington. Um, I met him a little while ago. Um, so I got to, he was there with Sark, so I got to meet him and interact with him before. And he was a you know, great guy. All the players there loved him um, you know, when he was there. I know everybody um, loved, everybody on the West Coast had a great relationship with Coach Dante when he was at San Jose State. Um, you know, so he made, I know there's a lot of kids that would have went to San Jose State if San Jose State wasn't San Jose State. <laughs> just to go there and play for Dante, you know. So um, I, I know what they what they have and what they can do. Um, and Riley's always been a you know a respected recruiter out here on the West Coast. It's just hard to get. It was just hard to get get guys to Corvallis. You know, that's always that's a that's a tough sell unless it's a, a, a like the only option that a kid has to go to. So, um, but yeah, Coach Dubs is great. He's doing great. Everybody out here loved Dub, and then everybody out here on the West Coast loved Dante. So those are the two guys that I deal with. And then when I was at the junior college level, I dealt with Coach Coach Perella um, when he was at uh, uh, he was at at the D two school. Um, forgot the name of it right now, but he recruited a couple of my guys, my JC guys. He does a great job recruiting too. So I think uh, you know they got guys at impact, at, you know, impact positions that uh, that can recruit really well. Very cool. One more question for you here. You're a defensive minded guy. I mean, you played for the Black Shirts, et cetera. How do you feel about the transition in the Big 12, excuse me, the Big 10 of moving into the uh, the 3-4 defense over a 4-3 defense? Any thoughts on that? 
No, I think because uh, the way that they play the three four, it's uh, it's not uh, the NFL three four. You know, the NFL three four. You think the big guys up front, like you think when you three four NFL, you think Ray Lewis and the Ravens. Uh, so you think you know big Tony Saragusa type guys up front taking up two gaps, eating up two blocks. They play the three four that you see at the college level nowadays is more of a one gap. So. Um, everybody has a gap already like you would in the 4-3, and now it's just a matter of moving and getting to your gap. So when you want, when you play a one-gap 3-4, what it does is it allows you to not need the big linemen, so you don't have to worry about recruiting those guys. And if you are undersized, it gives you that option also. So think of uh, like what Washington State is doing up there with their defensive line. Their best D lineman is not, he's not even close to 275 pounds. He's a, he's a nose guard. He's smaller. But he's athletic, so he beats people to the punch. Um, so I'm not sure if you guys get to watch those guys out there. I know that those those, those packs full of late night games, you know, are, are on late. So, <laughs> but I get to watch them after a couple darks. times. Yeah, I get to watch them a couple times. And so what they're doing up there, uh, what uh, Don Brown is doing at uh, at Michigan, it's the same thing. So you can come in and it's more like a plug and play defense. Like you can work with the guys that you got. So I think that's great. Very cool. Right. Brian, uh, how do you think the rest of the year is going to unfold for Nebraska and ultimately the future? Well, I think this year, um, I mean, we're sitting at, what, three and four right now. Yeah. Um, I think the next three are winnable. We got, uh, what, we got Northwestern. I mean, we got Purdue, Northwestern, Minnesota. Um, Northwestern is always going to be a tough out. I think Coach Fitzgerald is an excellent coach. His team's always tough, always physical. Um, I think we got that game at home this year. Um so you're right. Yep. That's always. I think it's easier to play Northwestern at home as opposed to in uh, in, Chicago, in in Evanston, where it might be 12 people at the game. Um, you know, so uh, I think I think if we get this Purdue game at Purdue, which is Purdue's, I mean they're looking better this year. I'm not going to say they're looking great. I mean they beat a couple, they beat a bunch of slouches early, and then they got you know it with reality once Big 12, Big 10 play started. So um, I think we can I think we can get this. Uh, we got the bye week. We get healthy a little bit get guys uh, coached up a little bit more. Um, I think you'll see some more younger guys playing coming out of the bye week. Um, and then, um, you know, I, I think you'll see a different Tanner Lee also the next couple of games. Um, just because when the bye, when you when a team goes into a bye week, you can kind of, you know, take a break. You can watch a little bit more film because you don't have to worry about trying to teach and learn something new at the same time. You get to, uh, you know, you get to digest the last, you know, last five, six, seven games, and really sit down. You get to catch your breath. He gets to see what he's doing wrong on tape, which you get to see during the week when you're getting ready for a new opponent. But you kind of got to have a short-term memory a little bit. Um, so I think they'll open up the offense a little bit with him coming out of the bye. He, he's, been, he's really been playing better the last three weeks, I think, than he did the first three weeks. But that's expected. You know, kid hasn't played in two years, so – or a year and a half, so I, that's expected for him to get better. Um, so I think coming out, we'll get healthy, go into Purdue, get one out of Purdue, beat Northwestern. Then Minnesota's struggling too, so I think, you know, we come in, come back, get on a three-game winning streak. And I think a little bit of confidence for these guys coming in to that Penn State game, it'll help. I think, uh, you know, anything can happen. I think, you know, the defense is playing better outside of, like I said, outside of Ohio State. I think we played pretty good defense the whole season outside of that one game. Um, so anything can happen, man. And I think, you know, we can beat Iowa. 
so we finished the season four and one. Um, you know, seven wins, get to a bowl game. You got a chance to win eight. I mean, why not? Yeah, I like it. For sure. All right, Brian, uh, we're going to get you out of here. Uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We really appreciate it. Uh, you can follow him at Fresh Yell Grizzly. We'll include that in the podcast, and we'll tweet that out as well. So uh, thank you, Brian, for joining us. Hey, thanks, Coach Brian right, Wilson. Appreciate it, man. Yes, thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys, man. I had fun. I enjoyed it. Well, how about Brian Wilson, guys? That was awesome, wasn't it? That's good times. That was awesome. That was that was a great time. Shout out to him. Uh, what was it? Fresh Yell Grizzly on That's Twitter, it. or look him up under uh, Coach Brian Wilson. All right, guys. We have big news this week in Huskerland. Uh, new athletic director, John. What can you tell us about him? I, I've been out hunting moose all weekend, man. I don't. I haven't heard a thing. <laughs> uh, you know, so it's been what twenty four days since Nebraska. Um, appointed uh, Dr. Remington as the uh, interim athletic director, and they have gone out and found themselves what appears to be a really great uh, athletic director. They sniped uh, Mr. Moose over from uh, Washington State. Um, if you guys don't know, check them out. They are one of the hottest teams in the country right now from a football perspective. Um, but Mr. Moose sure is a big hire. Um, and one that we uh, we seem to love at this point. So Bill Moose, new athletic director, it's M-O-O-S. There's no E on it. Um, but he's done a great a great bit of things. You know, he's been out at, I think it was Montana State, and then over to uh, to Oregon for a number of years. He was with uh, Coach Bellotti over at Oregon. They did some fantastic things over there from turning the program around. Um, and then he is the, the man over at Washington State. He brought Mike Leach. Uh, into the Washington State Athletic Department. They brought that high-powered air raid offense to uh, Washington, and it's uh, it's been a big hit there. And it's taken a few years to get everything kind of lined up and good to go, but they've got everything kind of churning on uh, all eight cylinders here this year as their offenses lights out. Their defense is, is pretty fantastic and, and playing at a, a high level. And as Coach Wilson even mentioned uh, at some point there that uh, – um, their defense just plays fast and they, they don't seem to need the size that you need. So um, I think it's a great hire, but I'm also a, a time will tell not super impressed with his non football hires at this point, but um, he sure got the background as a, as a rancher um, and someone who's admired the Nebraska program from a distance for a long time. So I'm pretty thrilled. All right, John, let's keep it with you with uh, recruiting. What's the latest in recruiting? <laughs> Man, all the pressure on me tonight. Um, so a couple of new offers went out this week. Um, Andre Cisco, um, he's a uh, safety out at IMG Academy down there in Florida. Actually roommates um, with, I believe it's Houston Griffith, who just committed to uh, Florida State. Um, but a terrific safety prospect, excellent vision, um, sees the field really, really well, um, and loves to bring the wood and hit. So excited by that offer. Um, we've got a couple other guys as well that are out there. Um, I mean, there's a whole bunch of, of visitors for Wisconsin. They had a, a few visitors for Ohio State. They had Talanoa Hufanga. Uh, Nebraska's in his top six, and I believe they're his third official visit. Haven't heard a lot of feedback on that one. Sometimes that can be good. Um, but so, you know, we're kind of in a wait and see to, to see how that stuff went. Um, the other new offer that's kind of really of note, um, after David Alston committed the other day, they offered uh, Maurice Wren. Um, he is an outside linebacker, wide receiver, 
um, down in, uh, I believe it's Texas. And uh, he really jumps off the film with his athleticism. Um, he's kind of a jack-of-all-trades, very similar to, to Micah Parsons. And he's got that speed, size, athleticism um, that you just can't really teach. So that's an interesting offer to keep an eye on since uh, David Olson committed. I didn't think they were taking any more linebackers in this class. Um, but he certainly fits the profile of a terrific outside linebacker. So we'll see how that develops. Um, and then on the recruiting front, you know, with it being a bye week, there's just not a lot going on. Um, stay tuned to Husker Hype. Uh, on Wednesday, we're dropping a huge recruiting update, talking about all the, the risers and, and movers and shakers on the Nebraska recruiting board. So we'll have over 20 kids on there. Um, there's film, names, everything you want to see. So make sure you check it out. All right, it's that t- part of the show where we get into our Twitter poll question. Uh, this week we had, with five games remaining at Purdue, Northwestern, at Minnesota, at Penn State, and Iowa, how many games will the Huskers be favored to win? Uh, this was probably the – there's no probably about it. This was the closest poll that we've put out. Uh, we had 431 votes, which uh, is a big deal to us. Uh, but as far as results – uh, zero is 28%, one, 29%, two, 27%, and three or more consisted of was uh, 16%. So with five games remaining, Huskers are favored to win. I mean, basically everybody thinks it's going to be two or less. I mean, that's kind of a, it's kind of a killer when you think about it because being favored by two just puts us at five wins. So, uh, Sounds like the fans think we need an upset. Derek, what did you pick in this poll? Oh, I really struggled with this one. Uh, you know, after watching the games that we played, I really kind of wanted to go with zero. Because it just I don't know how you really pick Nebraska to win. But with, with the home games of Northwestern and Iowa, I had to think at least one of those would be we'd be favored in. So I went with one. I think we'll probably be favored maybe over Northwestern at least. Tyler, you know, I went with one too, but I, I think it really comes down to Purdue. I, I because I think we will be an underdog at Purdue, probably a three point underdog going into that game. If we beat Purdue, I think there is a good chance we could be. Fi- I think there's no doubt we will be favored against Northwestern. Um, and then if we win that game and get two in a row, I think we could be favored against Minnesota. Um, you know, it, it's a, I, I, Penn State. We're going to be huge underdogs. Iowa is going to be probably dependent after that blowout, which will probably be Penn State. Um, I don't see this favorite against Iowa. I, I got this at one, but with a strong possibility of two. John, what did you think? What did you pick? You know, I've got us at, uh, at two, and I think you'd be pushing to maybe get to a third there. Um, I think Purdue's playing some pretty good football right now, so we'll see how things shift after the bye week. Northwestern, like Nebraska, was supposed to be one of the top teams in the West. And it just doesn't seem to have materialized again for Northwestern. Uh, and Minnesota, I think they're still getting their, uh, their boats wet um, over there. Um, kind of had a, a rough start to the season, but, you know, I, I think they found some of their footing here and there as well. So, you know, I think it's two, but you might maybe see three if we're lucky. Well, I, just like you guys, I was really torn on this question as well. I didn't know which way to go. I was leaning towards one or two. I, Ultimately, I went with two because I'm an optimistic guy. I just don't see three happening in this scenario. It's just we haven't proved anything through seven games so far, and 
I, I thought I was generous giving them two, but we'll see. You know, maybe we do turn it, uh, turn on the lights there with Purdue. Maybe this bye week is what exactly what we need, and we get it all clicking. And the coaching staff they certainly need us to start clicking. So, all right, let's get into our games of the week. Nebraska doesn't play this week, so. Uh, that's okay. Hey, uh, Derek, give us an update on where we stand. Well, we finally got a little bit of separation here. Justin, you went one and five last week, bringing you to a total of twenty-one and seventeen. Oh, yeah. Tyler, did a little, Tyler did a little bit better. Not much. He went two. He went two and four, and he is now at twenty-two and sixteen. And I went four and two, and I'm and I'm sitting at twenty four and fourteen now. Hey, that fan favorite paying off, Derek. Damn right. Be <laughs> <laughs> All, right, All right, let's get to it. First game: Oklahoma State minus seven at Texas. Derek. I, I Texas played really well against Oklahoma last week. I, I, I kind of wanted to almost pick Texas in this game, but I just I can't go against Oklahoma State right now. Oklahoma State's just too fast. Tyler. Yeah, Derek, you know, you kind of took a little bit of words out of my mouth there. I, I think that was a really good game. That was a lot better performance than I thought Texas was going to give against the Sooners last week. I think they left it all in the field, and I don't know if they have enough this week to rebound. I think Oklahoma State wins, and they win big. John. I'm going to go against the grain here. I mean, uh, Texas took USC to the wire. They beat Iowa State, who coincidentally beat Oklahoma uh, before losing to Oklahoma last week. So I think Texas is kind of hitting on all cylinders. Uh, I think it's going to be too much for Oklahoma State to handle. I like Oklahoma State running away in this one. Uh, Offense is too good. All right, next game, USC at Notre Dame. Notre Dame's four-point favorites in this one, Derek. Uh, I am not sold on Notre Dame just yet. But Sam Darnold has nine interceptions, and Notre Dame's only given up 17 points per game. I, I think I think defense wins for Notre Dame here. Tyler, you know Derek, I think this this is going to be a really good game. And going into the season, I would not have penciled this in as a really competitive game. You know USC has been living on the edge all season. They've scored 43 percent of their points this season in the fourth quarter or overtime. Um, they, you know, they, this season, uh, the Irish have 14 turnovers they've caused, uh, USC's given up 16 turnovers. I, I, I think Irish find a way to get this one done. John, you know, I've got a pretty scientific method for how I like to pick my picks and uh, shout out to my buddy, Dr. Uh, Craig Sitzman out in uh, Omaha and, uh, his, uh, he's a huge Domer fan. So we're going to go with Notre Dame here over, uh, the, uh, the Trojans. Well, I don't know your friend, but uh, I like Notre Dame, too. That's it. Uh, Iowa, minus one and a half at Northwestern. Derek? The only two common ground I can find with these two is they both played Penn State. And they both played, at, <laughs> with, they both played Penn State at home. Iowa lost 21 to 19. Lost by two points. Northwestern got stomped 31 to 17. So I think Iowa pulls out the win here. All right, Stomped. 31 to 17 isn't a stomping. Come on. 31 7. I'm sorry. Not this, not 17. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I got Northwestern. I, I apologize. You have Northwestern, Tyler? Northwestern. Northwestern all the way. 
And John, my only reason is because oh, Iowa sucks. you hate Iowa. Yeah, we know. <laughs> you're, you're, willing to, you're willing to fall further behind just for your hatred of Iowa. Amen. You know, we're going to stick with my scientific method. Uh, I'm with my buddy Tyler Schaefer. I, uh, I hate Iowa, and I, I hate that Rob Vasquez gets to rub in my face at work. So uh, let's go Northwestern. Uh, this game, I don't know what to make out of these two teams right now through all these games here. It's not like it's easy. You know, it's not like picking against Nebraska because you know that they're not going to give any effort. Uh, but I'm taking Iowa here. Oh, wow. Wait, was that, was that too op- soon? Too soon for that? Okay. The optimist <laughs> over there. Yeah. All right. I got Iowa. All right. Indiana at Michigan State. Michigan State, six and a half point favorites. Derek. Oh. I really wanted to go with Indiana here. You guys are kind of making me start believing in Indiana, the way they play these teams. Do it. Teams. Do it. But I can't do it. Michigan State's defense is too good. They're only giving up 264 yards per game. And I just don't know that – I don't know that Indiana is good enough to get past Michigan State right now. So I'm going to go with Michigan State. Tyler. You know, I, I went with Indiana as my spot, uh, surprise team out of the East, and I am going to stick with them. They get a win. I mean, they, they've had – They've went 0-3 in the Big Ten uh, against uh, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. The three toughest teams, three of the four toughest teams of the Big Ten, I I think they have enough to beat Michigan State. John? Derek, I feel you on on the defense over there at Michigan State, but, I mean, they've played Bowling Green, Western Michigan, and uh, came away with a three-point win last week against Minnesota. So, I'm going to have to go with Indiana here. I mean, I like their offense. They've scored 21 points early on this season against Ohio State, and uh, I think they're going to expose Michigan State a little bit. I like Indiana, too. You know, I picked – I was a big Indiana guy before uh, the season started, just like Tyler was, and I'm just going to keep riding that Indiana coattails because eventually they're going to be right, or they're going to win and I'll be right. That, that's yeah. one of the reasons why Derek got a bigger lead, because me and Justin keep picking Indiana to win these damn games. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. We, need to, we need to stop including them in the picks. <laughs> All right, final game of the week, uh, Michigan at Penn State. Penn State's 10-point favorites in this one. Derek. Defense, defense, defense. I, uh, defense wins championship, guys. Penn State's only giving up nine points per game, and Michigan's offense is terrible. No, no way Michigan wins this game, I don't think. Tyler, you know, Derek, I, I, this was a little tougher game for me. I went back and forth. Um, I almost flipped the coin. I mean, you're right. Michigan's offense should be a crime. I mean, that that's, it's embarrassing how bad they are, but that defense is equally as good. Um, but you know, I'm going Penn state in this, it's going to be a whiteout in, in happy Valley this weekend. And Barkley is everything he, you know, anybody can want. This is going to be his Heisman statement game against a top-rated defense, I feel. I think gets just enough to get the, over the hump and beat Michigan this weekend. John? You know, I've, I've watched a little bit of Michigan football here just because it's on the, uh, the tube a lot. And uh, I think they're a paper tiger. Um, they barely got that win at Indiana. I think if Indiana doesn't roll to their left and they move the pocket uh, to the right, that they end up beating the Wolverines. Um, or at least taking the game into overtime. So I think Penn State's firing on all cylinders. I'm not looking forward to playing them as a Husker. Um, so uh, I'm going to have to uh, to go with Penn State here. Yeah, I think Penn State rolls in this one. I I like Penn State a lot. Uh, all right, well, I guess that's uh, no Nebraska game to pick this weekend, so I guess everybody's going to be getting married in the state of Nebraska because everyone gets married <laughs> on bye weeks. 
that's what I did when I got married. So <laughs> why wouldn't you? Uh, but all right, how's guys, that, we'll uh, do this again next. Well, you know, I didn't really count on the anniversaries coming around during football season. You got to work around that. It takes a little bit of effort. So. Just, just uh, add to the advice it, for all the people getting married. Yeah, just don't do it. Not during football season. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get out of here, guys. Uh, big thanks to Brian Wilson for joining us tonight. It was a lot of fun. Uh, so be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, at HuskerCuzCast. You can catch all of our episodes on Podbean and on iTunes. You can find us on HuskerHype.com. Be sure to go there and check out all the great stuff there. On behalf of Derek, Tyler, and John, we want to thank everybody for listening. We'll be back next week to preview the Purdue game. And as always, go Big Red. Go Big, go big red. red. Peace. Say bye bye so long, see you later, take it easy, be cool, hang loose.